You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, everyone. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. If you're new here, we talk all things self-care and self-discovery. Today, we're getting into the nitty-gritty of postpartum self-care. I'm the pregnant as I'm recording this. I'm batch recording some of our future episodes. And if I sound like I'm out of breath, that's because I am. (laughs) It's that point. Hopefully by the time this airs, baby will be here, maybe not. But I really wanted to get in a discussion, an honest and truthful discussion about postpartum because it's something that is so overlooked yet so key as we deal with with growing humans and expanding, you know, our families. So today again we're talking postpartum self-care. I know many of you are thinking about having kids in the future or you're in that stage of life now, but this episode really has something for everyone. So I encourage you to stick around even if you are not pregnant or thinking about that because Amanda is just so knowledgeable in herbs and self-care. So I came across Amanda through the Minneapolis Integrative Medicine Center, which I've talked about many times before. Someone there had worked with her and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I'd love to learn more about how I can just support this postpartum process more naturally. So I booked a session to learn more about herbs, prep for postpartum, and I had this really amazing conversation with Amanda, and we're in such agreement that the postpartum process is really where the magic is in terms of true self-care and long-term vitality, right? Being able to truly heal and I don't even like saying bounce back but like come back from a really life-altering situation when when having children so learning from Amanda has just been so helpful we did a session she talked me through the importance of food and rest and then she created a number of custom herbal blends for me to have on hand for when baby arrives some for breastfeeding some for nourishment and healing and some for those just like tougher sad days when I'm feeling really down and even now as I'm navigating the potential for a c-section because baby girl is breech she's hooked me up with so many resources other women in the space that just make me feel so supported and that's how this is supposed to feel everyone to feel supported by a team by people that are really rooting for you to have the experience that you want to have a trigger warning we do talk through some tougher parts of postpartum like postpartum depression anxiety ocd and we do touch on infanticides so if you are someone who's really sensitive or you're going through something as well feel free to skip this at any point in this episode we talk about her own experience amanda's experience with postpartum depression and depletion the difference between postpartum depression and baby blues we talk about what postpartum depletion is and when it starts how to prevent it if you've never heard of this before you might find it to be really helpful to learn more we talk about using herbs to support the the healing process we talk about the importance of the rest in 14 days and those first 14 days which so many of us including myself just want to like get back to life right away i talk a little bit about my personal postpartum plan and then we also talk about the basics of things that you would need for postpartum if you're someone who is low on funds and how you can support other mamas that are in that position, what you can do to help. I really love this part of the conversation where we discuss this, that you know there are many women who don't have the funds. They have to go right back to work and they don't get to focus on this postpartum. So I did a little birthday fundraiser for the local Minnesota diaper bank. If you would like to support another mama or you just found this episode to be really helpful, check out my Instagram or see the link in the show notes to support another mama with the gift of diapers. It really makes a big difference. 
difference. Okay, thanks to Amanda again. <laughs> so out of breath. <laughs> thanks so much to Amanda for sharing all this helpful insight. Be sure to be sure to check her out and her podcast, Holistic Life for Moms. You can follow us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Let's get to this postpartum self-care discussion with Amanda Raiden, the founder of Tree Mama Herbals. Welcome, Amanda. I'm so excited to chat. I feel like this is weird, but I feel like we've known each other for a while. I know we really haven't. It's been like a couple months and it's all on all online, <laughs> but you've helped me so much already. I like so much and I cannot wait to talk about postpartum today. So can you just tell listeners who you are, whatever it is that comes to mind when you say, who are you? Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm Amanda Raiden. I am a postpartum herbalist. That's what I do for my career. Um, I work with one-on-one with postpartum moms and moms getting ready for postpartum, so pregnant mamas, to kind of like set themselves up for a better postpartum. Um, And then I also teach monthly workshops regarding, you know, herbs and postpartum. I have a couple courses now and a couple eBooks. And I also have my own podcast, Holistic Life for Moms. Um, But I mean, beyond work, um, I'm a mom of two loud boys and two big loud dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I am a wife to my husband who is definitely you know, my other half, which I am grateful for. Um, yeah, I was a nurse for a long time. I'm no longer working as a nurse right now. I'm following my passion instead. Um, but other things about me, um, I am a pit bull advocate and, um, cool. I, am, I like to view mothering as activism mm-hmm. and, um, kind of how I got into this is, um, my, with, after my first son, so I have two boys. Um, my, after I had my first son, I had severe postpartum depression, anxiety, and a little bit of postpartum OCD. And, um, my postpartum anxiety was so bad that I wouldn't go seek help for it because I was sincerely afraid they would take my baby from me. Yeah. Um, and at the time I didn't know really anything like natural wise. Um, I had dipped a toe into homeopathy, but that was kind of it. And I really just flung myself headfirst into trying to figure out how to help myself. And so it took me four years to completely dig myself out. And I really mean like nails to the dirt, dig myself out of this hole. A lot of it was postpartum depletion, but there was some other things to work through as well. Um, and I really used mostly herbs and nutrition to kind of get myself out to where I am today. And once I was, I said, you know what, never again, Mm -hmm. I will never experience that again. And anyone else I can help, I will never let them experience that. And so that's kind of, I, you know, I see that there's a huge hole in taking care of mamas and healthcare and in society between being pregnant and then, you know, years down the road, having children, um, there's a huge gap. Nobody, nobody mothers the mother anymore. And so, um, that's kind of why I do what I do. I went on to have a second kid and my postpartum was beautiful and healing and nourishing. And I feel I, he's going to be two in September and I feel great. Mm. So I think that, you know, kind of showing myself as, Hey, postpartum doesn't have to be awful. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this destroying gut wrenching shadow period. It can be healing and nourishing and beautiful with the struggles. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, what's so funny is that it took me about four years to kind of fully recover from, from my second. And it's funny because it's like a chain of events, kind of how you're describing it. It was like, actually postpartum was fine, but then I ended up getting mastitis multiple times, had to go on antibiotics. It wiped out my gut microbiome. Everything ended up becoming like really unwell in the gut. And I had to go back and heal hormones and gut health and all these things. And so that journey ended up being so much longer. And I think had I had the tools that I have now, I'd feel so much different. Can you describe just in your own experience for those listeners that aren't mamas yet, like what postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD, like how those show up? Because I think a lot of us, at least I can't always like understand what that means or like what that feels like. Can you describe it in your experience? Yeah. So I think something to really differentiate is baby blues. Yeah. A lot of mamas have baby blues. It's so very common and baby blues sets in between three to five days. And it tends to be around the same time that your milk comes in. 
on that day, everything is leaking. Your eyes, you're bleeding, you're sweating like crazy and your breast milk's coming in. So everything is just, you're just leaking. So I say for that, those couple of days, just let it flow. That should be your mantra. Just let it flow. Um, but I think that baby blues sometimes get confused with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Um, baby blues are weepy. They're, you know, happy, like laughing. And then all of a sudden crying They're um, honestly wishing you could put the baby back inside back when you were a good mom, when the baby yeah. was in your That Mm -hmm. is baby blues and that is normal. Postpartum depression is, and of course I am not a um, therapist or a doctor, but in, in my experience and with my clients, postpartum depression is um, a, a lack of lust for life. It Mm. is a, um, nothing is bringing you joy. Um, You think that your entire family would be better without you there. It is um, like, everything's gray. It's this lack of lust for life. Postpartum anxiety shows up as intrusive thoughts. Um, it shows up as regular anxieties. Um, so how you would feel normally with anxiety. It shows up as rapid heart rate. It shows up as um, like not wanting to go outside of your house because you're worried something's going to happen to your kid. It shows up as thinking you're a bad mom. It shows up as not trusting your intuition. Um, and then postpartum OCD, that it goes into more of the maternal mood disorders. And, um, I can explain how it was for me. So for me, my postpartum OCD was surrounding breast milk, um, supply with So I would go out to the freezer and I would count how many ounces were in the freezer and I would go pump and I would count how many ounces I pumped. And then I would lay back down and I would get back up and I would go count how many ounces were in the freezer. I was very consumed with how much my child was eating and how much I was producing. I was very lucky that that was a very mild case. I know that it can be much, much worse for um, other moms. And there are things like postpartum psychosis where you completely Mm -hmm. nap and become someone else. There's a lot of mood disorders that can happen postpartum um, because big life events can trigger mood disorders. So I think that that's something to kind of know. But one thing that I like to say is postpartum does not equal depression. It does not equal mood disorder. You do not have to have a mood disorder being postpartum. You can have the baby blues and then you can just, you can be fine and that's fine. And you can have some anxieties here and there. It's pretty normal for moms to have intrusive thoughts of, oh my God, if I carry my baby down the stairs, I'm going to drop him. That's pretty normal to feel that way. Um, and that's, that's just your biology going into overdrive being like, must protect, must protect the next generation and allow them to continue to grow. But it's not necessarily, um, this, this thing that's going to last with you and debilitate you. Okay. And I, I just want you to know that that's, you don't have to have that postpartum just because that's part of my story and part of your story. It doesn't mean that it's part of everyone's and that's great. Yeah. And, and like you said, you had a totally different experience with your second. So yeah. is there a time frame where we're like starting to see like, okay, this is a little bit different than the baby blues. Like, is it, I feel like my doctors told me like two weeks or something. Like if you're feeling really, really, um, like you said, that unwillingness to get out of bed and like do the things for two weeks or more, we need to talk. We need to talk. For me, I think that something that you should know is that baby blues can last up to two weeks on their own. Okay. So I say wait until week three. Okay. However, if you feel that your family would be better off without you, if you are thinking of harming yourself or your child, then seek help immediately. That's not baby blues. Seek help immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, now I joke and say, you know, trying to put the baby back inside you because you were a good mom when they were in your belly. That's, that is baby blues and that will pass, <laughs> but wishing that you weren't there at all. That's postpartum depression. And you should seek help for that. Absolutely. Um, because your baby and your family need you here. And yeah. It's important to seek help when you can, but you know, a lot of moms come to me, um, at about nine months. Um, they don't come to me right away. A lot yeah. of Yeah. Because you don't hit depletion right away. When depletion comes, it comes around month nine because you have used every last store building that baby. You've used every last store, um, you know, feeding that baby and nourishing your body and trying to heal and all of that. And now you're out of vitamin and mineral stores. You're, you're depleted. And at nine months, that's usually where your endocrine system is depleted. Your adrenals are depleted. You are depleted. And that's when at month nine, you're like, I should be feeling better by now. My baby's almost one. I should be feeling better by now. Yep. I should be having more independence. I should be feeling better. And I feel worse or I feel empty. 
And so that's usually actually when mamas come to me then, or I also get a lot of mamas come to me when they wean, which might be at two years old, which I still see. I still consider you postpartum at two. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay. That's, this is so helpful. So we're going to talk through a lot of basically preventative things that, so we, we talked through the scary stuff first and mamas that are listening or anyone that's like on this journey, that doesn't have to happen. It really doesn't. And if it does, you're not alone. I mean, there's so many of us that have experienced this in some form, but why I just feel so excited about my postpartum journey this time around and working with you and working with my naturopath and all, you know, all these different modalities is that I know that I am supported this time and I have the tools in order to not get to that depletion point. So can you talk just first about like what postpartum depletion is and like when it starts, like what are sort of the, what's the path to get there? Starting with probably pregnancy, right? It starts with like preconception. It starts with fertility. So I can easily use my own experience. I was vegan for two years before I got pregnant with my first child. And then I, um, was kind of off and on vegan during pregnancy. And then postpartum, I went back to being vegan and my body could not, that was not sustainable at all. And so I didn't have enough stores to start and your baby biologically, your baby will take the stores from your body of vitamins and minerals to build their own body. And so mamas will find like postpartum, all of a sudden they have cavities when they've never had cavities. before. Right. Their mm-hmm. And that is because it, your body had to leach the calcium from your bones to build the baby because you were not putting in, putting enough calcium into your body. And so I of course recommend eating a whole foods diet, um, ancestral type diet or Weston price type diet to really nourish your body deeply. Um, which I know is not the typical American way right now. Um, and I know that eating plant-based, um, can be very, can feel very good on your body, but it's not necessarily good for building babies. And I know yeah. that's backlash because I know, you know, when you are vegan and you are vegetarian and you feel so good doing it, it doesn't make any sense to, to eat animal products. But in my experience, um, going from eating vegan my, with my first pregnancy to eating Western price type diet with my second, um, I, it's night and day. It's absolutely. I have the same experience. And again, you know, those that are plant-based, there's lots of great resources for some things that you can do, but some of the practitioners that I really have learned the most from, I know you and I, and I've talked to like Lily Nichols, Mm -hmm. Kelly Levac talk, you know, talking about like ways that you can eat a nutrient dense diet. And that does in that pregnancy period, if to get the fullest nutrients, it does include some meat. And I didn't eat meat for gosh, 20 years. Like, I feel like that makes me sound so old, but like 20 years <laughs> until after I had Rory, my second, and I was in this like major depletion mode and a practitioner I was working with was like, girl, you got to eat some meat. You have to, and it's changed the game. It really has. But again, I get it. I understand. I mean, if you don't want to eat animal products for whatever reason, there's some ways around it, but if you're like on the fence, definitely <laughs> go with it. If you can. Or if you're feeling really depleted, you're feeling really sick, yeah. you're feeling like there's no way out. Um, you know, I, I know that that's hard because a lot of us wrap our dogma around what we eat, you know, totally. It yeah. Becomes, it becomes like religion. And, um, and so that can be really challenging. I mean, me personally, I definitely would say that I have run through periods of time where I've been orthorexic, which is like really focusing oh, on yeah. what and how you eat. And it, like, I would go places and I wouldn't eat at all. I would rather pass out than eat something that wasn't on my like prescribed list of things. And when I was vegan, that was very, um, accessible to my orthorexia. I was like, oh, well, I can't eat anything here because it doesn't tick these boxes for me. But, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that veganism is the worst thing in the world. I know that there's a lot of good that can come from eating plant-based. Totally. If you're looking at postpartum depletion, you have to eat closer to a Western price diet. And I strongly believe that you need to eat what your body is craving. If your body's craving pot roast, you need to eat pot roast. If your body's craving potatoes, eat the potatoes. If your body is craving salami, eat the salami. You should eat what your body's craving (laughs) because it's speaking to you. It's saying, I need something specific from you. And I know I can get it from this that you have eaten before. So do it. Eat it. What about sugar? What if you're craving sugar? 
<laughs> that usually means that you're not having enough calories or enough carbohydrates in your day. So or like can, good fats too, I think usually. It can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It depends on your body type. But I think when you are pregnant, postpartum, lactating, all of that, if you are craving sugar, your body needs energy. energy. And I don't think that pregnancy, postpartum, or lactation is the time to cut out things. I think it's the time to add things. And so if you are craving bread, you should probably have some bread, but I say no naked carbs, just like Lily Nichols says. So have some bread with some peanut butter, have it with some really good grass-fed butter, you know, do it up so that it's delicious and nourishing. But if your body's craving sugar and carbs, you need that energy because your body is healing. Your body's producing milk. There's all kinds of things that your body's trying to do and you have to feed it. Okay. So that, so food base definitely starts in that preconception. And then as we go along further, do you see like supplements? Um, I know you obviously herbs, all the things that like we're thinking about in terms of preventative um, depletion, like kind of talk us through the evolution of getting to the, the actual depletion point. Yeah. So with depletion, I mean, the thing, the thing that gets you into depletion is not refilling those nutrient stores. Okay. Um, And so your, your baby is going to take them from you. Your body is trying to heal that huge placental wound, um, which is the size of a dinner plate inside your body. That always like throat. When you say that, I'm like, what? That's insane. How you have your baby, you've got that wound in your body that needs to heal. If that was on the outside, could you imagine how much rest and care you would get? Oh my gosh. Wound, open gaping wound on your body. So keeping that in mind that it takes a lot of nutrients to heal. And then also it takes a lot of nutrients to lactate and it takes a lot of nutrients to breastfeed. And it takes a lot of nutrients to live through this time of stress, which postpartum is because you're getting less, less sleep. Your body's trying to heal. You've just had a, you've just built a human inside your body. Postpartum is stressful for the body. And so doing what you can to reduce the stress, allowing yourself to rest, allowing yourself to eat, things like that, those are all going to help rebuild things much, much better. So I always say postpartum is a time to add. Don't take anything away. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's talk about adding. What are the things we're going to add? So you and I have worked together and I have all the things I've added a lot. (laughs) We've got a breastfeeding tea. I've got um, a glycerate to help with depletion and getting all those minerals. I have a little something for like those really sad days. So I want to talk about, let's first talk about the herbs, kind of just like your approach to using herbs to prevent that depletion and feel really nourished. And then I would love your tips on just like other self-care for postpartum. So when I start for postpartum, let's just talk postpartum in general. If if you're working one-on-one with me, I like to take in your entire history of medical history, social history, postpartum histories, birth histories, all of that, because it all comes together to make up who you are. Not all herbs work for every single person. Um, for me, for an example, I'm a very dry person. So if I go and I drink a bunch of nourishing nettle infusions, which are amazing for your body. I get super dried out. I'm super dry. My mouth will even be dry because that's not the right herb for me. I have to add other things to it for it to be appropriate for me. And so I think that some people go into herbs and they're like this for that, this for that, which is kind of like the allopathic way to look at it. But we really like the, we, me and other herbalists, we really like kind of like, <laughs> wise woman way, which is more, like I said, adding and also taking the whole body into effect. So as opposed to being like white willow bark for a headache, it's like, well, why do you get headaches? What do your headaches feel like? Right. How do they, how do they act inside your body? What happens before you have a headache? What happens after you have a headache? So we like to really go into that, but let's just go into kind of like herbs and lifestyle postpartum. So first of all, eat. Second of all, I really like adaptogens. Adaptogens are a class of herbs that help your body kind of regulate and modulate stress. It's going to help your immune system not freak out or not not respond. And it's going to help your body um, deal with that stress. So if you are in extreme stress for a long period of time, it starts to degrade your body. You start to have issues with your body. Um, It can show up as inflammation. It can show up as autoimmunity. It can show up as a lot of different things, hormonal issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I really like adaptogens to kind of help level out the body and help it deal with those times of stress because postpartum, your, your baby is going to be waking up. You can't avoid that. 
you have the wound. You can't avoid that. And you're going through something called matrescence, which is the change in yourself, in your identity and your being from, and, and the cliche way to say it is from maiden to mother, but mm-hmm. going from who you were before to basically cracking open and adding in this layer of mom. And that layer of mom, even if it's your second kid, you've never been a mom of two before. Mm-hmm. So someone different every time. And that's really not respected in our society. And so that adds that emotional stress because everyone expects you to be who you are and you're not. Um, and then third, um, I like nourishing herbs. So that's like the nettles, red raspberry leaf, oat straw, things that you can make like really nourishing infusions with. Um, I like marshmallow root to kind of help with that like dry feeling. Um, and then other herbs that I like, I like nervines, which help with the nervous system. So a lot of mamas have that like anxious feeling postpartum. And so this can kind of help soothe your body so you can tap into your intuition. And I do find that a lot of the anxiety comes from not listening to your intuition, trying to do what society or your mother-in-law says and not going <laughs> along with and not going along with your intuition. So for me with my second, I went full bore intuition and basically nobody held my kid for like two to three weeks because I was like, this is my baby. And that was just my intuition. If you like I said, if you're craving something, eat it. If you need a nap, take it. If you need to be alone, do it. Just however you're able to listen to your body. And the fifth most important thing is rest. So um, the the easiest thing that I say that you can remember is five days in the bed, five days on the bed, five days around the bed. So for the first five days, you should be in the bed, except for getting up to use the restroom. You should just be nursing like crazy with your baby, just loving on baby, getting to know them, bonding. The next five days, you can kind of putz around the room a little bit if you want. You can lay on, I say that's when you can lay on top of the bed. So you don't have to be sleeping all day like you were before, but you should be in your bed. You shouldn't be up moving around. And then the next five days, you can move to the couch if you want, but I don't want you out running errands. I don't want you cooking dinner. I don't want you doing any of that stuff. You should just be bonding with baby, resting, nursing, eating. Um, And even if you are not choosing to breastfeed, you have to rest. You need mm-hmm. to rest. Your body is healing and you are still bonding with the baby. You're still getting to know the baby. So I, I really feel that at least those first two weeks are vital. Without those first two weeks of rest, you will likely get depleted um, because your body's working so hard on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, other herbs that I like to use, there's herbs for lactation, there's herbs for calming the nervous system, herbs for dealing with stress, herbs for sleep. Um, there's a lot of really great herbs. Um, I even use herbs like locally. So, um, like on the outside of the body topically to help heal, um, like vaginal tears or to help heal cracked nipples or, um, as like steams, things like that. There's a lot of different ways that herbs can kind of be a part of our postpartum experience. Mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So much to unpack. Cause I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so just, I just think it is like thinking outside the box. People don't, don't think about postpartum like this at all. It's so funny. I was, there's this influencer that I really love. She, I love her energy. And I know she struggled with postpartum depression last time, kind of in that, like getting cooped up. I, I feel really cooped up in postpartum. I feel alone a lot. And I'm yeah. like, I'm an extrovert and I want to be around people. And it like being in bed for two weeks sounds awful to me. But at the same time, I know that that's something that I need to do this time around. And this particular influencer, she had like been going out and about like right after, like a couple of days after she, like, she went to a concert and all these things and she ended up getting mastitis. And like, I just felt for her so much because I'm in that, I get it. I totally do. And also you're almost like you're saving yourself time if you commit to those, those first 14 days yep. as restful as possible. It will prevent a lot of issues down the road. But again, people are like, oh, well, you know, are you going to be at the soccer game for your, your older kid? It's like, no, I'm not. I have a gaping wound in my body. <laughs> well, you're also going to hate hearing this, but the reason that you want to be out and about is because, and I try not to sound too cliche when I say it, um, it's because of society. Society does not value nurturing. It values productivity. And so when we are sitting and we are healing, that is not seen as productive in our minds because of how society is. And so we feel that we are not um, contributing to society by healing and by caring for our babies because we are trained to, you know, this is not bringing in money. This is not 
this is not productive. Um, and so it's really, I mean, postpartum is a resting postpartum is activism. It is bucking the system and saying, (laughs) I refuse I am going to take care of myself. I am important. I am vital. I am valuable. And me healing and bonding with this baby is setting us, setting society up for a better future because my child and I are going to be well bonded. I am going to be well rested and be able to be available to my family and my children. I am going to be healed and I am going to come back able to give because otherwise you're already sitting at this depletion, this well, that's just empty and you, you have done nothing to fill it. And I hate saying you have done nothing because I wish it was society. It really should be society. That's like, you've had a baby. I'm going to bring over food. I'm going to clean your house. I'm going to, you know, take your kids. I'm going to do this for you. That's the way it should be. We should have these group, this group of elder women that, you know, come in and mm -mm -mm, lay back down in bed. What are you doing up? I'm taking care of you. Let me wrap your belly. Let me cover you in blankets. I'll give you a sponge bath with rose. You know, it it shouldn't be. And it is in other cultures. It's just not in ours. Exactly. It shouldn't be us forcing ourselves, like strapping ourselves down to the bed because it's true. Rest of our house falling into shambles, even if it's not, even if it's taken care of in our heads, what we do is so important that the house is just falling apart and our children are falling apart. And it's, it's, it's honestly not fair because if you had that wound on the outside of your body, you would be told to rest and people would bring food and people would take care of you. Mm-hmm. I think you're, you're touching on. Yeah. I mean, I feel this way about self-care. It's like a form of activism. It's self-care is community care. When you take care of yourself, you're ultimately like empowering the people around you to do the same with support. Like, and this is maybe literally like you're talking to me right now. I've got, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you my, what I got going. I got planned here. I've made some solid freezer meals. I've got a postpartum doula who's going to come help two nights a week to help with like overnight and just like other things. Uh, my partner's going to do at least one overnight. He's going to be around for two weeks and help as much as possible. Our kids have care um, during the week because they go to some like daycare and camps and stuff in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I feel really supported in that sense. And like in the past, it was literally just like nothing. (laughs) I don't think I had any of those things planned. Are there like anything else that you would suggest? Or like, when you think of support, what else, what else can mamas ask for and plan for? Yeah. It's that myth of the superwoman, right? The myth of super mom, um, mm-hmm. that just takes over, but it's a myth. There's no such thing as super mom. It's just women who are very, very well supported, um, or someone on the verge of burnout. <laughs> there is no in between. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. So here's, here's my ideal thing. You should have every single meal and snack prepared and brought to you. And I mean, brought into your room the first two weeks. Two weeks. You should have to go and make it. Um, So snacks are really, I like like protein balls that you can throw in the freezer, smoothies. Um, I mean, I like warming foods, but I know you're having your baby in the summer. You can't have all hot foods. You're already going to be hot, you know? So um, like smoothies and fat balls, protein balls. Um, I really loved sourdough bread with like a bunch of peanut butter on it. Oh my God. I'm doing that right now. Yes. Yummy. So basically making sure that every single meal is taken care of and you don't have to think about it. So my husband um, was in the military, so he is very like regimented. So what he did was he set alarms on his phone every three hours and he would bring me food. And if I was asleep, it would be on the table next to me. Um, But there was food always there. And so that is like, I think the biggest blockade to being able to rest because you have to eat and you will be ravenous postpartum because you're trying to heal and you're going to be starving. So you really want to prep just food. That is like the biggest thing. Mealtrain.com is like the best free resource ever. You go ahead, you sign up yourself and then you blast it out to your email list. You blast it out to your friends <laughs> and they can sign up for meals like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They can sign up for meals for however long you have it available for. I had friends send me food and they weren't even in the same state as me. So they would just get like DoorDash from like a barbecue place down the street and have it delivered to my house. This can happen even if you don't have a community right there. Food can happen. It can be delivered to your door. Um, So that is one thing I would say. The next thing that I would consider, and it sounds like you have this taken care of, but childcare. 
because mm-hmm. your older kids are going to go, mommy's holding baby. I want to be with mommy. And trust me, you are still a good mom. If for two weeks, the kids just get a little bit of snuggles and then you got to get out because mommy needs a nap. Um, I know that sounds really, really like harsh and like coarse, but it's like, you have to rest in order to be that good mom for them. Mm -hmm. So making sure that the expectations are there and then having activities planned for them that they're going to be excited about. So like, if they're excited to have grandparents visit, awesome. Instead of the grandparents, like doting around you, like messing with you, trying to hold baby. No, no, no. You need to take my big kid out. You need to entertain the big kid. Go, go, go. And then another thing to have like planned and prepared is if you are a person that likes a very clean house, can you hire a housekeeper just for two weeks? just for two weeks. I even tell um, mamas who really need a clean area that your husband's not allowed to get dressed in that room anymore. Your husband has to get dressed in the laundry room and you're not allowed to see the laundry room. (laughs) I would like it if you wouldn't see the laundry room for the first month, but I'll take two weeks. So it's like setting up the things. First of all, food, you can't go without. Second of all, childcare, you can't go without because those are the two things that have moms getting up out of bed at day two. And I don't want that. If you can do house cleaning, have that shipped out, that's awesome. Um, Groceries, now you can have those delivered even. But also um, writing out, like planning ahead is really huge. If you can write out a grocery list of what you usually get, I even used to write it in the order of the way the grocery store was laid out so that my husband could go in. (laughs) Oh my God, you're Virgo rising. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) I so am. (laughs) So I'm like, I would write it out like, okay, in the meat section, you're going to get this. And so that way I'm not getting worrying about those texts. Like I can't find the crackers or that type of thing. It's already completely laid out and set up and ready to go. And so having those things ahead of time, another thing to have ahead of time, if you're planning on breastfeeding, you should have a lactation consultant that, you know, like trust and takes your insurance and you should know their schedule. So the easiest way to do this is to do a pre, um, like a pre-baby appointment. So like um, a prenatal appointment with your lactation consultant, because then you're a client of theirs and you're on their schedule. I really recommend people having their lactation consultant, especially if you've had difficulty breastfeeding in the past, or you have family members who have had difficulty breastfeeding. I recommend them getting eyes on you within the first 24 hours, have them to the hospital. If you're having a hospital birth, have them come in. They're allowed to They're If you're allowed to have visitors, you can have your lactation consultant. A lot of times the ones in the hospitals are a little bit harried and they're trying, they're trying really hard, but they don't have the time to spend with you to get to know you. And I also feel like there's so much, this is one of my biggest, like, struggles with that first Mm -hmm. time in the hospital was like, everybody had an opinion on how to breastfeed and everyone's trying to help. And I appreciate that. Like nurses and yeah, like the lactation consultant there. But at the end of the day, I was getting so many conflicting opinions and we had to send everyone away and just like, we need to just figure this out. I love that. So like having a point person, preferably in what is it? An IB? IBCLC, an international board certified lactation consultant. Yes. Cause that I, you, I've noticed like a very big difference is a different approach and like so much, I've just had so much more success that way because breastfeeding is so hard. If if anyone hasn't been through it, it's really tough. It's the most natural thing in the world. And it's the most difficult thing in the world just because it's natural does not mean it's easy. And I always like to remind people your baby's never eaten before either. Your baby's (laughs) never nursed before either. They don't know what to do. They're learning. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it can be challenging, but I also like to recommend people get other support people on, you know, I say on staff, but you know, like on a list. So do you have a pelvic floor therapist? Do you have a mental health therapist? Do you have, I hate to tell people this, but do you have a rectal therapist? Because you might need one. Do you have a, yeah. Do you have a chiropractor? Do you have, there's so many people that you can make a list of ahead of time so that once baby's there, it's going to be 2 a.m. when you're thinking about these things. It's not going to be 2 p.m. when their office is open. It's going to be 2 a.m. So if you already have it written down, like, okay, if I have trouble with a latch, I'm calling so-and-so. If I'm having tailbone pain, I know I can get in in two days with my chiropractor. If I have a rectal tear, sorry, it happens. Mm -hmm. I know that the rectal therapist down the street takes my insurance and I can get in with them if I need to. Having those things ready can really help you sleep at night. (laughs) I also say having a sleep plan ready, which sounds crazy, but babies don't sleep like people want them to. And we fall prey to that, like, 
sleep training. It's it's a the sleep training conglomerate. It's this huge money-making business. And we fall prey to them when we're exhausted and we're stressed out and we're yelling at our husband at 2 a.m. because they have worthless nipples. I mean, it's like <laughs> you need to know ahead of time what you're going to do and who, who you can listen to and who you trust. And so I think like one of the biggest things postpartum is just getting yourself to a point where you can trust your own intuition. And when you have everything screaming at you, you're not going to. So get off the Facebook mom groups, turn off Instagram for a couple of weeks if you have to, or, del- or mute everybody who doesn't go along with how you want to raise your child, which is fine. Life is still going to be there two weeks later. I promise. <laughs> Oh, I'm just it like it's I get so excited when I talk to you because it's so much, <laughs> it, you know, like I just feel so much agency to do these things. And like, I, I yeah, the, the pressure that we're dealt as mothers, it's just so ridiculous. And if there's any time to buck the trends, everybody, it's during this time. Yep. So I'm going to like make notes for for the show notes on just like kind of all the things like, OK, this have this list ready to go. I call this the self-care emergency toolkit. When you have, you have this like list ready for those tough times that, you know, you can easily access, whether it's like a meditation practice or it's going for a massage or whatever. And this is just more specific to postpartum, which I think is so, 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 so helpful. And I think what's really cool, what's coming to mind right now is that like, it shows us how much we actually do in those moments where we're, we're, we're telling, we're really flexing the muscle of not doing, we are like, oh my gosh, am I amazing? Yes, I am amazing. Yes, you are. But also what can you pass off in your everyday life? True. We don't need to be super moms. We don't need to. We need community. And community doesn't happen unless you ask for, unless you make a request. So once you've made a request postpartum, say you're feeling amazing at 18 months, you're like, oh my God, I'm amazing. I feel so good. Repay the favor. Can you pick up somebody's kid from school? Can you bring over a dinner because you know a mom friend's having a hard time? I mean, this doesn't have to be just postpartum. I get the chills talking about this. This doesn't have to be just postpartum. We need these communities and we don't need to be carrying this weight on our back all the time. We need to be able to help each other out because that's what community is. Super mom is a lie. It's a myth. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Can we touch a little bit on how to access all of these things without a lot of money. Cause I feel like that's something that is, is a very real, you know, priority. It's like, I can't afford to buy, you know, X amount of, I don't know. There's just so many things I think we're told we're supposed to get for babies when ultimately it's like, maybe we should save money and, and get a postpartum doula or like work with an herbalist. Like, what are your thoughts on making these, this way of life more accessible? So here's the first thing, the number one, and I hate to go dark on you, but the number one cause of infanticide. So killing your baby is lack of access to diapers. It is not maternal mood disorder. So the first I've never thing, even heard that word before that that's what that's called. Oh, yeah. wow. So the first thing that I recommend over anything else is diapers. So if you are having a baby shower and you are low on funds, just do a diaper fund. Don't have them give you diapers because they're not going to be the right size. Just do a diaper fund. And you can do that on Amazon on a baby list. No problem. Diaper funds are the way to go. If you are low on funds, that's what you should do. If you are low on funds and you want a cloth diaper, have them, you can still do the diaper fund on there or have people get you cloth diapers. That's fine. Um, and, and get the sprayer so that you're not like killing yourself. You can like spray it over top of the toilet. Sprayer on the toilet, man. Everybody who has cloth diapers, that's a life changer. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I am not a cloth diaper mama. I tried and I failed. I did too. I did too. I'm on me. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) But I just say, you know, that's the first thing to consider. Would I choose a postpartum doula or a meeting with an herbalist over diapers? Hell no. (laughs) Right. Right. We're a lot of. But hell no, I would choose, (laughs) I would choose diapers day after day after day. Now past diapers, there's not much more you need for baby. You don't really, you need maybe two onesies because you can wash them. So you need maybe two onesies. They're going to poop up their back a whole bunch of times. I spend (laughs) 
time with my babies just in diapers on top of like a blanket because I'm like, ah, you're going to poop up your back anyways. You don't need an outfit. And then if you're breastfeeding, then you, you don't really need to worry about anything unless you're going back to work, in which case um, you'll need a pump, which is usually covered by insurance and you'll need bottles to pump into those aren't covered by insurance. If you have the, if you do have insurance, it covers a lactation consultant. They can do a pumping session with you to help you fit the right phalanges and everything. If you don't have insurance, a lot of um, lactation consultants that I personally work with do sliding scales so they can make it um, cheaper for mamas who are having difficulty. Always reach out to someone and see if they do a sliding scale because even I, I, I actually sponsor at least one mama a month that can't afford my services because I think it's, it's necessary, especially, yeah. and I, I, I choose mamas who are either single moms or don't have a community at all. Um, and that is, but I don't advertise it, but if you asked me, then you would know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, so there's those things. Um, but as far as what you need, mama, you need, um, either adult diapers or really thick overnight pads. You need a sprayer that you can get from the hospital. So, um, the Perry bottle, you'll need that. And, um, if you are a a belly birth mama, um, you'll need like a belly binder, but they have them at the hospital if you ask. So at the hospital, make sure that you take, I I say, (laughs) treat, treat it like a gift bag and clear those drawers. Take everything home from the hospital. If you birth at a hospital, ask your nurse, listen, I'm low on income. What can I take home? She will help you. And if she doesn't ask a different nurse, (laughs) take home as much as you can. It's very important that you are well taken care of at home, but all you really need is a peri bottle, tux pads. If you have hemorrhoids or, or tears, those are nice, which is just witch hazel. Um, and either I like adult diapers, but you can do those thick overnight pads. I like adult diapers. Cause you just rip them off. You don't have to think about them. <laughs> um, so you need diapers for babies. You need diapers for you. You need a peri bottle. And, um, as far as support goes, you don't need a postpartum doula, but some postpartum doulas do, pro bono work. So they do it for free or people can donate to a postpartum doula fund. When it comes to your baby shower, if you have one, ask for what you actually want. Do not ask, do not, do not fall prey to the registry. Don't people are going to get you onesies. You, I would actually even write in it. I don't want any onesies. This is what I'm looking for. I am looking for funds for diapers I'm looking for funds for my postpartum doula. I'm looking for funds for my lactation consultant, or I've had people who just do a food baby shower. Please bring all the like recipes over and we'll make, we'll spend time together making freezer meals. You bring stuff for your freezer meal and we'll all make them together. I've had mamas do, um, just sign up on the meal train. That's my whole baby shower. You guys can come celebrate me, but just sign up for the meal train because that is my biggest concern is being fed. Um, and then the, I mean, if you are, some people have to go to work four days after they have the baby, I know, just, there's I know. no paid leave in the United States. And that is a reality for some people. So all I can say is just give yourself grace, rest when you can do whatever you can to find good care for your baby, because that is going to be the biggest source of stress for you. So do whatever you can to find good care for your baby. So if it's your mama, that's awesome. Um, I know daycares don't take babies until six weeks. So whatever care you find, um, just make sure that you trust them and you love them because, you know, it's going to be so hard for you to leave baby. At six weeks, it's hard for you to leave baby. At eight weeks, it's hard for you to leave baby. So, um, but, you know, there's there's other ideas out there. Um, so if if this is you and you are low on funds and you are like, I am terrified, reach out to me and and I'll work with you and we'll figure out some ways to get you the care that you need, but at at a, at a way that you can attain it, you know, mm-hmm. and don't fall prey to the sleep trainers. Um, if you're low on funds, don't spend money on a sleep training course. They all tell you the same thing and none of it actually works. <laughs> Babies don't sleep. They're made to wake up. That helps prevent SIDS. <laughs> it's true. That's like, that's such a good point. I have a, I have worked with a sleep consultant. Um, I love, and she, I was like, okay, I need to do a refresher on infant sleep. So we did, we did a, a chat and basically she's like, Ashley, remember babies don't sleep and like, you can't really sleep train until much later. Like they, they, are, they have to wake up. And I was like, Oh, I kind of forgot. Like, this is how this, yep. this works, you know? Yep. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for going down that path. I just like, I think we're, you know, we're speaking to definitely like two different humans, right? Like there's a lot of people that are like, okay, this, like in my example, this is my third baby. We're in a much different financial position than we were. However, six years ago when we did this for the first time. So we're prioritizing different things. And I think a lot about my cousin is a social worker and she works with women who are, you know, really like in their early teens that are Mm -hmm. navigating these pregnancies. And I'm just like, Oh, like for someone to support them, like that there's ways to do it. And you just described so many. And then for those people that tend to fall somewhere in between, right? Like using mm-hmm. your, your, your resources in a way that is allowing you to nurture yourself, which so that you right. can nurture your baby. Right. At the end of the day, that's right. the whole point. Right. Yeah, exactly. If I had to choose two things for every mom, it's just rest and food. Those are the biggest things. <laughs> yeah. So simple. Are great, But rest and food. <laughs> Uh, can you, I just want to, cause you're so knowledgeable in all of the herbs and I've learned so much from you and I love, I love your, how you talk about adaptogens. And I, I think the takeaway that I want people to understand is like kind of what, <laughs> like the, the pregnancy tea or like the breastfeeding tea that I get from whole foods is not what you're doing. Like you're doing some, this is very different. This is very personalized, you know, adaptogens, we can, you can get them in your bubbly waters this, you know, these days, like it's silly, like, but when they're actually, you know, coming from a a place from someone who knows what they're doing, all of this stuff can be super helpful and make a big difference. So is there for anyone, maybe in the non-pregnancy postpartum world, any recipes or like adaptogens or offering that you might have for herbs um, or adaptogens that you you think are great for like energy and vitality if you were to share a recipe? Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest thing, honestly, is a nourishing nettle infusion. So I know earlier I was like, it's not right for everybody. So if you're a dry person, let me tell you how to make a nourishing nettle infusion so that it's not going to dry you out. Now, um, if you are pregnant, you can just add marshmallow root to it. It's going to make it a little... Um, gloopy because it has mucilage, which is what is helping to not dry you out. Um, nettles is a, a slight diuretic. So that means that it helps you pee off water weight. Um, and I hate saying water weight because I don't mean that it's like a detox tea and you're going to be skinny. I mean, it just helps your body process water through, but if you're not drinking enough water, it's going to dehydrate you. So, um, let's start with how to make a nourishing infusion and I can, I'll describe it, but you kind of have to like see it. I'm pretty sure I have a blog post. I'll send it to you if I do. But so you want to use between half a cup to one ounce weight of dried herb. So in this case of dried nettles per about 16 ounces of water. So that's like a lot. Okay. That's really, really, really strong. This is going to look like almost black when you're done with it. Um, I put it in like a pint mason jar, or you can do it in like a French press, um, like a regular size French press and just fill it to the top. You want nearly boiling water. And then, um, once you fill it up, you can put the lid on lightly, or if it's a French press, just put the lid on, but don't push it down. And then you're going to leave it for two hours to overnight. When it's done, you're going to pour it and you can drink it. You can heat it back up on the stove. If you need to, you can drink it cold. Um, some French presses keep it warm. Some don't, it just depends. Um, If you get like a double insulated stainless steel one, that'll keep it warm. Um, But then you just drink it and it's going to be really, really strong. And that has so many vitamins, minerals, quercetin, chlorella, all this good stuff to it that it gives you like this natural energy. I'm actually drinking some like right now. Um, If you are not pregnant, you could add just a little bit of licorice root and um, that will actually help with not only the um, dryness of it, but it also helps like build up your body. I say licorice root is great for like rebuilding your like cortisol functioning the way it's supposed to and helping out those adrenals. I call it adrenal food. It's, it's good stuff. So long as you don't have any history of um, kidney disorder, if you have a history of kidney disorder, please do not use licorice root, but um, marshmallow root is a great substitute to help keep that wet instead of making you super dry. So I love nettle nourishing, nourishing infusions. You could also replace the nettle with um, oat straw. That's really great for like those frazzled moms or oat tops. So moms that feel like they're a raw nerve, really great for that. <clears throat> or just people who feel like they're a frayed nerve. This doesn't have to be for moms. Um, red raspberry leaf makes a very 
tasty nourishing infusion. Now, if you're pregnant, please wait until 36 weeks because some people that can kick you right to labor. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm like, so I'm like one week away. Let's go get it. That I have a huge bag of red raspberries. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Nourishing infusion all day. Just chug it. Eat your dates and chug it. Eat your dates and chug it. Yes. <laughs> that was me the last like two weeks of my pregnancy. <laughs> but, um, so nourishing infusions are a really great way to use herbs to really um, nourish your body. So I really like to recommend those for everybody, honestly. I didn't know this. Like, I didn't know that this existed, right? Like I was, again, I was getting my like red raspberry tea from Whole Foods and it was fine, whatever. But like, this is a whole new ballgame, like getting well-sourced herbs and making these nourishing infusions. So since I started to make the nettle infusions, I Mm. stopped drinking coffee. I like slowly weaned down because I discovered the wrong way that like cutting it isn't always helpful right away. But like, and I don't feel any lack of energy. I actually feel more energy. My hemoglobin, I can't say that word right now, (laughs) hemoglobin level have come up because it has so much iron. And I'm just like, but it's funny because I'll have people be like, what are you drinking? Like, it looks like dark grass juice. And I'm like, oh, it's a nettle infusion. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And honestly, like the first taste you have of it, you're like, what is this hot garbage? (laughs) But then you'll start like craving it. You do. You do. I make it almost every day now. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is amazing. I, yeah, totally replaced caffeine at this point. And I'm just obsessed. I'll, I'll link where you suggested to get herbs from too. So if people want to do that, um, I know you work with a couple of great companies and then some recipe, that recipe as well. We'll get that so people can try it. Oh my gosh, man. I like, I just took the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've like plowed through the life. So it's just, I love talking to you. I learned so I much. It. I love it. Yes. Can you yeah. tell listeners if they are postpartum, they're pregnant they want to connect with you, or they're just really interested in learning a little bit more about herbs, what resources and connections do you have for them? Yeah. Well, I am on Instagram. My Instagram name is tree mama herbals and my website is, um, www.treemamaherbals.com. You can find me at both of those places. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, feel free to DM me and say hi. And that you found me through Ashley. I'd be happy to talk, but if you are not pregnant or postpartum, or even work with pregnant or postpartum people. I do have like a couple things for people who aren't in that space. So I just came out with an adaptogen course and it's called adaptogens for motherhood. But the only thing that's motherhood about it is just, I tell you if things are safe or not safe for breastfeeding. Besides that, it applies to everyone. And I think that you would definitely find great value through that. Um, I also have a course where I teach you how to make herbal medicine and I call it herbal medicine making for moms, but that's just because every single recipe is safe for moms and kids. Um, but it applies to everybody and you learn how to make like every single herbal remedy. You like could find one online and know exactly how to make it and feel confident about it. So those are the things that I offer that you could do if you're not pregnant or, um, postpartum. But if you are, um, you know, I do the one-on-one, um, I do postpartum planning sessions, which is working with the pregnant mamas. So that's what you and I did getting ready for postpartum. I also do postpartum vitality sessions. So that is where we go over how you're feeling and what's going on with you and how I, how we can help you with herbs and lifestyle to make you feel more balanced, vital, and nourished. And then I also offer, um, monthly workshops where we just talk about like different herbal things and postpartum things. And, um, people have found those super, super valuable. I tend to teach at kind of a practitioner level. Um, so if you have some knowledge on herbs, it's really, really great. Um, I've had people tell me like, Oh my God, this is even like more intense than this herbal course I took the other day. I I really love to teach. I really like to teach about herbs. And I really think that, um, herbalism is a people's medicine. So you should know how to do things. So if you want to, you know, DIY it, do it yourself, that type of thing. Those, those workshops are really great. Then you can kind of like figure it all out yourself. But, um, when I work one-on-one with mamas, I make, I make the, the herbal remedies for you. So I make the, the tinctures and the glycerites and the teas specifically for you. So it's not just, you know, the, the hormone tincture that you found online that's supposed to help postpartum. It's actually like, no, this is for Ashley. We talked about everything she has going on. 
I know how her body works. I know any history she has. I know this, that, and the other, and this is really going to help. So that is, that's me. And that's what I do. And I would love to connect. So head on over to Instagram. I do lots of silly reels and try to relate with motherhood. I try to make it a me too space and not a, oh, I wish I was like that space. (laughs) Oh, well, you're doing such cool work. And I'm, again, I feel so supported. I'm so excited for this journey. And thanks for sharing all this good information and yeah, friends definitely connect with Amanda, check out all of her resources. If you're planning for babies, if you are just, yeah, dreaming about it now is a great time to just learn a little bit more. It's so, so helpful. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks so much for tuning in everyone. Thanks to Amanda for sharing the amazing insight. Again, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to participate and you want to help out another mama in need there is a link in the show notes for the local minnesota diaper bank and yeah give the gift of diapers it really makes a big difference if you enjoyed this episode and you want to share it with a friend that's another great way to support the show thanks so much for tuning in everyone we'll see you next week